This is the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. in so long, Marissa. I have, like, missed it. I feel like I remember listening to it a lot at um, this college group that we used to go to, and I, that song just, like, brings up so many just, like, memories, and just, like, these, like, man, like, those words are so powerful, just how he's broken every chain. This idea of Jesus breaking these bonds, these chains that shackle us of slavery to sin, And that song that we just sang is all about that, of this freedom that we get to experience. And how cool is it that I'm just like, oh my gosh, man, now I'm going to become obsessed with this song again, especially for this series, because we are, um, to help us lead into Easter, uh, one, I think it's really important for us to like set our minds in the direction of Easter. Easter is something that we celebrate every year, and I think sometimes we miss it. I think sometimes we don't really soak in just how deep and beautiful and meaningful all of these things are. Easter is like the culmination, like the big climax of everything that we get to celebrate, of Jesus conquering death, of him being rose again and being the victor over death. I think for us, especially now, that there's a a moment for us to just pause and reflect and really just prepare our hearts for Easter to prepare our hearts just for that huge celebration, to look deeper into scripture. And I'm really, honestly, guys, I think I haven't been this excited about a series in a really long time. Uh, So to help us lead into Easter, we're going to do a series all about the Passover. So have some of you ever heard Passover, Passover before? Yes, some of you have. It's like a pretty common thing I feel like we hear about a lot. Um, especially in the church, but I don't think we, like, dig into just, like, all the richness and, like, soak in and just sit in all the beauty of Passover. Because Passover in the Jewish culture is something, is a meal that they celebrate every year. They do this thing, and I think it's really important also. It's really cool. God knew what he was doing when he made us. And there's so often times in scripture where God or even Jesus is trying to teach us something and he has us doing something with it. That he gives us this visual or even just this tangible thing to understand, to really grasp what this is. And so Passover was a really cool holiday meal that the Jews celebrated every year. They would do all of these preparations uh, to celebrate this meal this Passover meal, and it helped direct them into knowing deeper into what this truly meant and having these tangible moments, this meal that they get to celebrate and just think back and reflect all that God has brought them through. I think for us, typically in Christian culture, we don't celebrate Passover a whole lot. We don't have the Passover meal. And I think a lot of times there's so many details that I think get lost on us. And so we're going to do this morning a deep dive really into like really what all of these, this entailed. Just really looking into it because man, there is so much richness and there's so many like moments where you're reading it and it just beautifully connects us to Jesus. 
And so the tension this morning for me, as we are looking into this, is I want to give it all away. I want to like be like, I want to jump to the finish line. I want to jump to Easter. But I think for us to build into this understanding of truly what Passover means, we have to first look at the first Passover. When did this first happen? What was the circumstances surrounding the first Passover? Does anyone, even off the top of their head, have an idea of when the first Passover was? Logan, you seem very excited. What is it? Yes, you got it. Good job. You get a gold star, Logan. But so we're going to look at this idea, this, this story of uh, Moses and the Israelites in Exodus. And what I love so I had, I think recently, guys, I've just fallen in love with scripture. I've just fallen in love and seeing how much this is all pointing to the same thing. This is all pointing to the redemptive story of Jesus. And it helps us understand why the Old Testament is there. And how God is setting up basically like the rules and these themes and these ideas of salvation and redemption and death and sin. And we learn about all of these things in the Old Testament. And especially when we're looking at the first Passover, which we're going to look at this morning. But the two overall things that I want us to grab this morning is first that God is the only God. The God of the Bible the God of Abraham, of Jacob, of Isaac, is the only God, is the only powerful God, the all-powerful, the all-knowing. All he is the only one. And the second thing is he, God, is the only one that can save us. There's no other options. There's no other answers. God is the only one with the solution. There's only right, one right answer here, and we're going to look at it more this morning. Have you guys ever, there's like this new game. Well, not really a new game, but is anyone playing like Wordle recently? Well, do you know today's word? Don't, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare say it. No, no cheating. But I even think of like, there's, <laughs> I know we got all excited. So if you don't know, if you like, does anyone not know what Wordle is? You do. I'll be very embarrassed if you don't know what Wordle is. Basically, it's this word game that you're trying to discover this the word of the day. And everyone, ha everyone has the same word. And there's one right answer, okay? So it's like this excitement to look for what is the correct answer. And even, does anyone like cheat at Wordle? Like phone a friend? Any purist? Who does? Who does a cheat? I know someone in here has cheated before. Brittany? Oh, I meant who does cheat? Who does cheat? Anyone cheat? Katie? No cheaters here. But basically, this idea, <laughs> this idea of looking for the right answer, there's solution. There's this excitement that there has to be only one. So this morning, we're also going to be looking at that. There, there is only one solution, only one way for salvation. There's only one correct wordle answer. And we're going to look at it this morning. <laughs> so before we get really into it, it's really important, guys, when we look at scripture and we look at stories, especially in the Old Testament, that we get the proper context of all of it. So a lot of times I think we have this idea where we're just going to like pull apart a story and just like look at it by itself. But the beautiful thing about scripture is it's all pointing to one story. It's all building off of each other. So before we can really look at the first Passover, what Logan said about the 10th plague in Egypt, we have to back up a little bit more so we understand exactly what's happening on the scene. So basic level, 
God has chosen the Israelites to be his chosen people. He has chosen to use them and to demonstrate his power, to use them to show that he, he will set them apart, that the, he has made the Israelites promises and covenants that he has kept throughout all of time. And God is using the story, the failures, and the successes of Israel to point to who he is. And it's really cool. We see a lot of that in the Old Testament, of God using his chosen people, the Israelites, to tell a story of himself, to tell a story of who he is and how powerful he is. So, if you guys remember, a few series ago, we did a genealogy series, and we looked at specific people in the line of Christ. We looked at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So, like, let's point us back there to that timeline. Okay, so, like, the really, really old guys, okay? So, we're at this time, and so the people, (laughs) I don't know why that got you. (laughs) Um, So, we're looking at the people of Israel, and they're slowly growing to be abundant and bigger and bigger. And so, we see Jacob, who is following after God, and he has 12 sons. That's a lot of sons. I don't, could not, would not, not ever. But he has the youngest son, Joseph. Do you guys, have you guys heard of the story of Joseph? Any, any specific details you remember? I'm giving you a hint. Yes, you can shout it out. But what about Joseph? What are some things about Joseph that you remember? Yes, he was the favorite and his father gave him a colorful coat. So his father is favoriting his son, Joseph. And so as other siblings would, they have this huge sibling rivalry against him. They start to hate their brother, actively hating their brother. I know a lot of us have brothers and sisters in this room, and we fight. But this is an intense story. It's a heartbreaking story of them not just, like, being irritated or saying, like, just go away, leave me alone. But these brothers plan for a way to sell him, to, like, destroy him. And they sell him off. They pretend that he's dead. Okay, this is a messed up family. They tell his dad that he's dead. And all the while, Joseph has done nothing wrong. And he has these circumstances around him that now he is away from his family. His brothers have sold him off. No one knows where he's at. And so he's now a slave in Egypt. And Egypt at this time, he is working hard. Joseph was a really good guy. He had a really good work ethic. And he was also following after God. So he wanted to do the right thing. And many bad situations surrounded Joseph. He was found in lots of different places where he shouldn't have been. He was accused of things that he didn't do. And he finds himself not only being a slave, but it gets worse. He goes to jail, basically, for something he didn't do. Imagine committing a crime that you didn't do and you're just in jail now. And also those jails back then were, like, awful. Like, totally bad. Like, so bad. Like, dirt. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why I think of dirt. Dirt in a jail. But so Joseph finds his way here. And his life has just gone From, okay, he's been the favorite, to bad, and now it's even worse. And it just keeps getting worse. But throughout all of it, you'd think that Joseph at this point would be like, you know what? I'm just going to give it. My life is awful. I abandoned God. I don't want anything to do with this. My life didn't turn out the way I wanted wanted it to. So now I'm just going to respond in anger and 
me angry. But Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph is a really cool guy that we can look at and see his character. And instead, Joseph grows and he's more responsible. He still proclaims God. He even helps out the Pharaoh in some moments. So in a turn of events, Joseph is gone. He, the Pharaoh asks him for help, basically. And so Joseph gives him a little bit of wisdom. And through all these things, Joseph is no longer in jail, okay? So he's, he was a slave. He was in jail, but he helped the Pharaoh out. So now he's out of jail. And so now Joseph finds himself in a high place of authority in Egypt, which is so insane to think that this is like his starting story was so awful and heartbreaking. But now he finds himself in a place of power, this place of lots of authority. And he's like basically Pharaoh's right-hand man at this point. So at this point in the story in history, Egypt is suffering from a famine. And not only Egypt, but the rest of the land is suffering from Egypt. And so in a weird turn of all of these things, Joseph's story is so crazy, guys. If you ever, ever look at it or study it, there's so many things that happen. But basically, to summarize, his brothers have to go to Joseph for help. That, but instead of Joseph just banishing them or being mean to them, he forgives them through all these different things. Joseph forgives his brothers in this heartbreaking moment, and he invites his family to stay in Egypt. So this is how the Israelites find themselves in Egypt, through this story of this family trauma and all this stuff surrounding them. But eventually the Israelites are saved. We're like, okay, they escape the famine, and they find Egypt, and they're able to thrive and be a people, and they are starting to grow a lot more in Egypt. And that's their new home, is in Egypt. And so this is sort of where we're going to start picking up. So the Israelites start to grow and grow and grow in Egypt. And this time, lots of time has passed. And that this time, no one remembers Joseph. And the Pharaoh is a different guy at this point. And so because the Israelites were so large in Egypt... The Pharaoh at the time was getting afraid, was getting afraid because they, he thought that these Israelites were going to overtake his kingdom, his land. So he does something even worse. He decides in an attempt to kill, basically have this genocide of the Israelites. He kills all of the newborns of the Israelites. He sends this out where he is destroying the Israelites. So at this point, there's one baby that survives this. Do you guys know who this is? Yes, Gavin. Moses, right. So Moses survives this, which is only by the hand of God. That Pharaoh is trying to destroy the Israelites, to wipe them out in the worst and the heart, most heartbreaking way. But God is still providing for the Israelites. God still sees them. God has still chosen them to be his people. And he still wants to fulfill all of his promises to them. So Moses survives, and God uses Moses in a huge way to play a major part in helping Israel escape Egypt. At this point in time, the Israelites become slaves in Egypt. Just like Joseph was a slave at the beginning, the whole nation of Israel is now slaves in Egypt. They're all experiencing this 
hard life, this bitter life, this awful lifestyle that they're living. And they're in agony for years and years and years. And they cry out to God asking for salvation. They're asking for this help. They need to be rescued. And God doesn't forget. And God remembers them. And he sends a guy, Moses, who one, it was really cool if you look at the person of Moses. He messed up a lot too. I think a lot of times when we look at people in scripture, we tend to think that they're these perfect people, that they were awesome, that they did everything right. And yeah, they have some qualities that we can model and we're like, yeah, that was a really cool thing that they did. But God always chooses these people who are imperfect. God always chooses messed up people who are broken, who sin, and he chooses to use them for his glory. He chooses to highlight himself because of how much this person needs him. He chooses to use a guy like Moses who committed murder, who was bad at public speaking to help deliver all of these people in Israel. So this is where we find the Israelites in the first Passover. They're in slavery at this point. Their lives are hard. And they're in agony and they're asking for help. And Moses has come by God to help save them. So what God tells Moses to do, he tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go. Have you guys ever watched like the Prince of Egypt? Guys, okay. Literally while I was thinking about this, all I wanted to do was watch that movie. Because it is chef's kiss good movie and if you really want to like get in the mode of like plagues you got to listen to the plague song because I'm like oh man I almost sang it for you guys this morning but you guys would have been really embarrassed and it would have been bad um (laughs) no I won't sing it but so Moses is telling Pharaoh let my people go let God's people go and let them leave this land and escape slavery and Pharaoh doesn't Pharaoh says absolutely no And so God does this incredible thing where he will still let Israel go because God is in control. But what he does is he sends these 10 plagues or these 10 wonders or signs to the Egyptian people to show and to highlight that he is God. That God will do exactly what he wants to do. That the Israelites have God on their side and that this is the will of God. Can anyone name any of the plagues? Can you guys think of any of them? I feel like this is like a classic Sunday school story. Name one. Just shout one out. Locusts. Anything else? Honestly, like frogs. Like imagine just like a herd of frogs coming at you. Like nothing is worse than that. (laughs) Hail. Yeah. Very good. You guys, you guys really paid attention in Sunday school. So this is where we get a little exciting. So actually, it's really, really cool. So all of these signs, God isn't just doing all of this just to show how powerful he is. He has a purpose behind each of these plagues that he's giving Egypt to help point them towards, no, you need to listen to Moses and to God and let these people go. And so I have this little chart up here. There should be. This, okay, so I was got really excited. This is a really bad picture, but this is actually in my Bible, okay? So I was very excited. And basically what this chart shows us, that all of the plagues 
that God is doing that Moses is showing the Israelite is that is that Moses is showing the Egyptians each one of these is pointing towards a god that the Egyptians were worshiping so throughout all of this God is demonstrating that Pharaoh needs to listen to him that he is all powerful that he will do his will and he is also in the same moment showing that all of these gods that the Egyptians were worshiping are absolutely worthless compared to him. That these gods that these others are trying to worship and to proclaim, they're wrong. They're useless in the face of God. And so God does these specific plagues to highlight, to show just how more powerful he is than all of their idols, of all of their fake gods. And so it's an intense story, but the last one is the one that we're going to look at. And this is where we get the first uh, story of Passover, is this last plague of God highlighting that he is the only God. So if you have your Bibles, go over to Exodus. You're like, Exodus Chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 4. I'll read it for you guys just really quick. And this is Moses telling Pharaoh of the last plague that God is about to do upon Egypt. Moses had announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. At midnight tonight, I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt. From the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt. A wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. But you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. All the officials of Egypt will run to me and fall to the ground before me. Please leave, they will beg. Hurry and take all your followers with you. Only then will I go. Then, burning with anger, Moses left Pharaoh. Now the Lord had told Moses earlier, Pharaoh will not listen to you. But then I will do even more mighty miracles in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed these miracles in Pharaoh's presence. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he would not let the Israelites leave the country. So we see this warning that Moses gives to the Pharaoh. That if he does not release the Israelites from slavery, that their firstborn sons in all of Egypt will die. That there will be this huge tragedy that Pharaoh's own son will experience death. And he gives this warning to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh still does not listen. Pharaoh is still, after seeing all of these signs, and he's already experienced nine plagues at this point. He's already witnessed the power of God. And he still says no. And so God then offers an out. He offers a way for salvation for the Israelites. And so this is what the Passover first comes from. Starting in Exodus 12, verse 1. 
While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for for you. Announce to the whole community of of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they should eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. So, God gives these stipulations or these details or or these instructions of exactly how the Passover should go. That he gives this warning that tonight will be a night where a lot of people will experience death. And in order to not experience this death, this is what you should do. So he first introduces this idea of a lamb. That first they need a blameless, spotless lamb with no defects. So that's the first part. They need to find a lamb. Each member of the family should find, each household should find a lamb. And that's the first detail of Passover. The second starts in verse 6. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day on the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at midnight. They are to take some of the blood and smear on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. The same night they must roast the meal over fire and eat it along with a bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of this meat raw or boiled water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until morning. Burn what is, whatever is not eaten before morning. So we see then they have to take this lamb and take special care of it. They take special care of this lamb for a couple days where this lamb lives in their house. And they take care of it. And they also are supposed to paint this blood of the animal on the sides of their door as a symbol, as a mark, that this is what they're doing. They're following God's instructions because God is giving the Israelites instructions of how to experience salvation. So then we see this idea of a bitter salad, which is also really strange, but we'll look at more of it next week. But there's so many details in here that I think we miss. And I'm really excited more to go into it the rest of this series because each have a specific and purpose driven behind them. But I want us to first have this overarching view of exactly what Passover is before we go into it. So then we see in verse 11, there's more instructions of exactly how to eat this meal. That they're eating this lamb, this, the bitter salad, all of these things. And these are a part of God's instructions to experience salvation. These are your instructions for eating the meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the animal with urgency for the Lord's Passover on this night. I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign. Marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. 
each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is the law for all time. So we're just going to pause right there for a second. When I was looking into this Passover, it's so cool that God is instructing these people that you're going to celebrate this every year. In the midst of their hardships and slavery, God is telling them of this Passover meal that they will celebrate, where they will look back on and realize that God saved them from this slavery. Of all these people had to trust and to put faith that God would save them in the end. That God is having these instructions and all of these details seem so strange to us, I think. That a lot of it doesn't make any sense. And I tell you guys, all of these details, how specific God is. Man, look for moments in scripture where God is being really specific with a group of people. When God is giving specific instructions. Because they're pointing to a deeper and greater meaning. Now, as we look out in the next few weeks, we're going to look at how other Jews celebrated Passover. Eventually, during this time, the Israelites do this. And that night, because they had, they followed God's instructions, death didn't come to their households. But death came to the Egyptians because they didn't listen. They refused to listen to God offering salvation. And all of these details point in some way, to the person of Jesus. So that's going to be the huge crux of this whole series. That this meal, all of these details that God is giving, all of these things will culminate to the person of Jesus by his actions, how he's described. So often Jesus is described as the Passover lamb. And we're going to look at that. Exactly what does that mean for us? But this morning, I want us to first recognize that first, God is the only God. That God is doing this to show that there is nothing above him. That there is no other God, there's no other idol more powerful than he is. That he is the one that should be reigning in our hearts. A lot of us probably don't have specific idols in our households. But a lot of us will worship other things. Besides God, whether it's our phones, people we spend time with, our friends, the popularity. There's so many things, I think, that we put above God. And by this story, God is saying that, no, I'm the only one that deserves worship. No, I'm the only one that deserves your praise. So how, what are ways that we're worshiping other things? We may not have a golden figurine as an idol, but what are we pointing towards? What are we looking for to save us, to offer us refuge or comfort? Because it ultimately has to be God. He is the only one who can save us. God is the only God. And our God is the only one who can offer salvation. There's no other way that we can experience salvation or comfort from the shackles of sin other than God. God doesn't leave us or abandon us in this way, just like he didn't leave the Israelites. He offers a way for salvation. And so for this series, we're going to look at just how deep that runs, how beautiful God is that he offers this salvation to us. I'm really excited also, in a couple weeks, I'm going to have us all practice eating a Passover meal together. 
which we've never done before, which will kind of be look a little different. But I think this will help us because I think as a culture, we don't really experience what the Jews experienced. We're not, I'm not going to like slaughter a lamb. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I know you guys are all thinking like, Bessie's going to bring a lamb and kill it. We're not going to do that. But to the best of my ability, I think it's important for us to just experience what these people did and to show what God can do throughout all of it. So, man, I pray for us this series that we're able to look at Jesus being the ultimate Savior, that he embodies all of this in our lives and our hearts. Will you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you for, for loving us. And Father, I confess there are ways where I worship other things before you. Father, bring those to mind. Convict our hearts of ways that we're trying to save ourselves or we're looking for other things to save us, Father. Lord, thank you for scripture how you use history and all of these things to point to your redemptive story, Father. Father, even in the midst of hardship and heartbreak and hard circumstances, Father, you offer a way of salvation. Father, I pray for this series as we look at Passover, that we're able to clearly see Jesus throughout all of it that we're able to see how Jesus is the embodiment of all of these things, that even if the details are confusing or a lot, God, Father, I pray that we're able to see you, that throughout all of it, we're able to witness and to glorify how deeply you love us and how you sent your son to save us. Father, we love you. We praise you. We lift up your name. And we ask for your your forgiveness, and we ask for your love. And all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us at gsm.thechapel.life or follow us on Instagram at Green Student Ministries. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.